I don't want to hide my testimony. I don't want to silence my testimony. I want to give my... And I give it right now is your opportunity at a testimony service to give God praise. He brought me out with a mighty outstretched hand. He healed my body. He saved my soul. He cleansed my mind. He fixed a broken soul. Come on, somebody. God's doing great. Take about 30 seconds and just give God your best praise. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Somebody give him a hand clap of praise one more time. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, there's times we've done it around here. But I remember in my home church, we used to do it sporadically. We just have a testimony service. Hallelujah. Now, sometimes it became a complaint ammonia service. Uh, sometimes it became a gossip ammonia service. Uh, but I, I like the idea of a testimony service. But did you know you have a testimony service every time you come to church? Well, I didn't get the mic, and I didn't get to tell them what God's done. It doesn't matter whether anybody around you knows what God's done. You, I said you, you and your family knows what the Lord has done. And my praise is not predicated on what he's done for you. My praise is predicated on what he's done. You don't know like I know what he's done for me. Come on, if God's been good to you, testify, shout, clap. Jump, run, whatever you do, just do something. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. God's good. Amen. It feels good to be in the house of the Lord of here tonight. In Jesus' name. A lot of good things happening. Amen. I, I bring again that testimony of Brother. Saul Silva, brother Sam Silva's brother, uh, he got real sick the moment that he moved over to help his brother with their home missions church. Isn't it just like the devil to come in the moment you say, I'm going to do something for God? And uh, he started feeling real sick the moment that he stepped over to help his brother. And uh, the work they're doing over there is a home missions church in San, Le San Leandro, California. And, uh, and, and he'd just been feeling worse and worse and worse. Finally went to the doctor, and they said, well, it looks like you have an aggressive uh, form of cancer, and it's, it's, it's likely going to be life-threatening for you. Uh, and all, of the, all the cards were stacked against him. And uh, Brother Sam Silva called me. We're really good friends. And he, he just about broke into tears and said, can you please pray and have Apostolic Revival Center pray for my brother? I, their whole family's devastated. They've got other uh, siblings that are backsliders. And, uh, and when bad things happen, people start praying, whether they are in church or out of church, people just start praying. So, amen. And so I said, don't worry, we're going to pray and we're going to believe that this is just an attack of the enemy, but we don't claim it. We believe the report of the Lord. Hallelujah. He went in for a 12-hour surgery. And uh, during the time that they were in the surgery, they said, wow, you know what? It doesn't look as bad as we thought it would. They were so certain. They had it figured out. I don't know how the doctors get this. They got the, well, you only have six hours to live, but the bad news is, is you're supposed to die. Amen. And, uh, and, and the worst news is I forgot to tell you three hours ago. But it is there that God performed a miracle, and they did the surgery. They said, this looks just fine. Come on, God's doing great things in our generation. I'm not talking about 20 years ago, 30 years ago. I'm talking about right now when God's people come together and pray. Oh, somebody lift up your voice and magnify him. In Jesus' name, hallelujah, hallelujah. And so God's doing great things. We just got to be looking out for all the good things God's doing and uh, be watching for him in Jesus' name. 
If you have your Bibles, we're going to turn over to the book of Luke chapter 13 and verse number 29. Hopefully this scripture is becoming uh, real familiar to our church. Uh, that is by design and very intentional. In Jesus' name, we're going to be reading a few scriptures here tonight. Uh, we're going to be reading in the book of Luke, then we're going to go to Jeremiah 3 and 15, and Ephesians 4, 11 and 13, 4, 11 through 4, 13, and uh, in Jesus' name. But Luke 13 and 29. The Bible says, And they shall come from the east and from the west, and from the north and from the south, and shall sit down in the kingdom of God. People are going to come from everywhere. We've been talking about that. Every background, every bloodline, every skin tone, every language. And somebody said, hallelujah. Amen. And they're going to come from every background, but they're going to come into this kingdom right here. They're going to come from different denominations. They're going to come from different religions. It doesn't matter where they start. When they are all said and done, they're going to sit down in this kingdom right here. I think somebody ought to shout, they're coming. They're coming. Hallelujah. If you flip to the Old Testament, to the book of Jeremiah, chapter 3, three and verse 15. Hallelujah. I really feel like God has laid this mini-series on my heart, and I want to deliver it as best as I can. Jeremiah 3 and 15, and I will give you pastors according to my heart which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. We're going to test your Bible drill skills. Everybody to Ephesians chapter 4. <laughs> Hallelujah. Ephesians chapter 4. And verse number 11. And he gave some apostles, some prophets, some pastors, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ till we all come in the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ since we're there let's keep reading that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine come on we got to make sure we grow it starts right here and right here. By every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. you got to be careful of people that are just crouching down, ready to deceive. Skipping over, we're going to keep going, verse number 15. Amen. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. Verse 16 from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working and the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body. Come on, it makes increase. I'm telling you, there's increase unto the edifying of itself. Did you know that your body can heal itself? Did you know your body can produce increase of itself if you've had too many donuts? Hallelujah. There's a lot of increase going around in Jesus' name. But your body can heal itself. Your body can, can fix itself. Your body, it's built into the body that it can grow itself. But it's got to be given the right nutrition. It's got to be given the right nutritional, amen, things. You can't just eat sugar all day and expect to grow big muscle. It doesn't happen like that. And so... Tonight, I want, to, I want to preach, I want to teach. Uh, if you'll give me a little bit of grace, I felt terribly sick last week. I only preached you for about 20 minutes. So if we could flip that excess time over to tonight, I'm just kidding. We're going to have a good time. I want to teach, I want to preach to you here tonight about the navigator. The navigator. Would you set down your Bibles, lift up your hands, and let's pray. How many came to have church here tonight? Hallelujah. We give you glory. We give you great praise, oh God. I pray that there would be increase in the body, that there would be a fitly framing coming together, every joint supplying, every joint, not one taking more weight than the other, supplying the right framework for the kingdom of God that everybody's coming into. 
Jesus. Help me to preach your word in Jesus' name. And somebody said hallelujah. Amen. Shake your neighbor's hand. Tell him God bless you and you can be seated. Amen. The navigator. Last few weeks we've been talking about the necessities of navigation. Talked about the map being the word of God and that his word will not change. And I'm very grateful for a word that is enduring, that a word that does not change, for that word that does not change comes from none other than a God that does not change. Amen. He will have mercy upon whom he will have mercy. He's a God that, that will give mercy to thousands and hundreds of thousands. He's a God, amen, full of love, full of grace. But he's also a God that's full of justice. Amen. That he will not, amen, allow those that are, amen, in iniquity to escape the impending judgment without a sacrifice of grace. That is what the map would let us know. Through that map, we can find out where we are. We can figure out where we're going. And last week, I was able to preach, uh, even though through coughs and other things, I was able to preach to us about the compass. The compass being that which is used for times when you are going into places that have not yet been mapped out. For times where there is no direct scripture for that particular thing. There is no scripture that says thou shalt not smoke. But I can point you to scriptures that show the precepts of the word of God. And the ways of God. That your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Know you not that you were bought with a price and you are not your own. We're not talking about a spiritual body. We're talking about a physical body. That's why we don't smoke it. We don't inject it. We don't pop it. We don't paint it. We don't, ladies don't cut it. Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost in whom the Spirit of God dwells. Amen. But there are times in life where you enter into struggles and you enter into storms and there are troubles. And the only place that you can go is to an altar. And it's at that altar that you can find direction for your life. It's at that altar when you don't know what step to take next, what direction to turn. You can hit that altar. And like God said to Abraham, prophetic of our opening text, uh, Abraham started talking with God, and God started talking back to Abraham. Uh, if you look that way, son, it's north. Uh, you look that way, it's south. Uh, you look that way, it's east. You look that way, it's west. Uh, I'll tell you what was happening. When Abraham hit his knees, uh, he built an altar. He found a place of prayer. Direction came from that place of prayer. Amen. Today I want to talk about another tool that has been instrumental in the, and I'm using these as allegories to help us understand some biblical truths. Uh, something that has changed the course of history that allows us to be where we are today here in the United States of America. Uh, there was an invention by the name of the sextant. It's one of the most important navigational tools that was ever invented. It's right amongst the map right next to the compass and there in its place and it is not amen a first second or third they're all just as equal amen it is there that that sextant was used to measure the angles between two far away objects the biggest problem for sailors in the 18th century was finding their position on the middle of the oceans during long journeys they needed to figure out their longitude and their latitude. And the sextant was that which helped them figure both of those out. A navigator would stand on the boat. He would face and look towards heaven with the sextant in his hand. And he would begin to determine the angles. He would begin to calculate the distances and, and, and look towards the stars and other things uh, that were not moving and were not changing. He had to look up towards the heavens to find out if they were going in alignment with the direction that they had set. And it was this navigator that would begin to tell the captain of the boat just what adjustments needed to be made so that they could stay aligned with 
heaven. There had to be a small, very small margin for error because just being off one degree could send them thousands of miles in the wrong direction by the end of their course. The navigator could not stress his instructions enough to the captain and to all the crew on board. It was his job to tell the captain, but it was the captain's job to follow the navigator's instructions and steer the vessel accordingly. It is this navigator that could make sure that they weren't zigzagging. It was this navigator that could make sure they weren't wasting time getting to their destination. It was this navigator that could make sure that they weren't degrees off that would make people miss their destination. But it was the captain, the one that steered the vessel, that had a decision to make. Do I listen to the navigator who has a different perspective than me? Do I listen to the person that spends his life staring up into the heavens and looking down from his vantage point on earth and telling me, here's the angle of where we are and here's where we need to go? The captain had to make a decision. Do I listen to that guy or do I listen to my own? instincts and I want to tell you here today having a navigator in your life is a necessity if you're going to make heaven your home 1st Corinthians 1 and 21 the Bible says for after that in the wisdom of God the world by wisdom knew not God and the Bible says that it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. I'm going to preach with liberty in Jesus' name that if you're going to be saved, you've got to have a preacher. I came to preach tonight whether you preach with me or not. I came to teach tonight whether you preach or teach with me or not. If you're going to be saved, it's by the foolishness of preaching. Come on, somebody, clap your hands. It's not the foolishness of education. It's not the foolishness of a degree. It's not the foolishness of a counselor. It's the foolishness of preaching. If you're sitting in church today, you ought to thank God for a preacher. If your family's been put back together, you ought to thank a preacher. If you're on your way to heaven, you ought to thank a preacher. Hallelujah. I know my assignment here tonight, and I'm not afraid of it. I know that I am the pastor of Apostolic Revival Center. I know I'm the one that preaches 99% of the time, but that doesn't make this any less true. If you're going to be saved, you've got to have a preacher. You don't need some slick Johnny on a bar stool that tries to tell you how he feels that day and tries to give you good little pieces of, of humanistic advice. you got to have somebody that preaches the word that's instant in season, out of season, rebukes you when you're doing wrong, reproves when you're not going the right direction, instructs you in all righteousness. Somebody clap your hands if you're thankful for the preached word of God. I want to tell you how foolish preaching is. Foolish preaching is the fact that God would use a, an imperfect human being to tell other imperfect human beings what they got to do to get right with God. I know y'all thought I had a halo on, but I want to help you here today. I'm just as human as the rest of everybody here, but God has put me in a position. God has put me in an office that I got I to gotta try and plead with you. I got to preach to you. I got to help those that are opposing themselves. I got to preach the word. It is Romans 10 and 13 that the Bible says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's right. 
We love that verse. Don't let anybody tell you about the Roman road and try to cherry pick this one verse. Amen. The Bible says in Acts chapter 16 that he said, Arise and call upon the name of the Lord. Be baptized and call upon the name of the Lord. It's not just accepting Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. You got to be baptized in water in Jesus' name. And they call the name of the Lord over your life. That's what saves you. Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord in baptism, that's who's going to be saved. Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But I want you to notice the logic of the Bible. How then shall they call upon him whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? I want to just stop for a moment and tell you, church, if we're not out there telling people, I don't expect a doubtful world to become a faithful world if we don't go out there and tell the world. Because if they've never heard about him, they'll never believe in him. But if we can go tell them about him, they'll believe in him. And how shall they hear without a preacher? How shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. I want to help you here today. Every time I step behind this pulpit, I'm trying to bring you glad tidings of good things. It might not always look like it. It might not always feel like it. But if I'm telling you, you got to repent, it's a good thing. It's a glad thing. It means there's a chance. It means there's hope. It means you can change. It is there by the foolishness of preaching. God chose to save them that would believe. God decided to use men to speak on his behalf, not me and not you. Hallelujah. Let's be real. There was a much better system that could have been in place, and it was God walking with Adam in the cool of the garden. Yeah. A much better way for God to just speak to humanity. But it's there, Elder Bobo, like we talked about, amen, that it was there God speaking from the mountain. And the people said, we don't want to hear your voice. And so they said, Moses, you go up and you come down. And God said, all right, if that's how it's going to be, we're going to use a man to preach the word. Jesus proved you need a preacher to be saved. But God was manifested in the flesh. He didn't wave a wand. He didn't just snap a finger and say, all men are forgiven. But my Bible says that God was born of a virgin. Amen. You know what that is? God was becoming a man so that man could preach. I came to preach some theology. I got excited today. He said there's got to be a preacher, and there's no greater preacher than Jesus. No better preacher, no more inter... He said that you said Solomon's the wisest, but a wiser than Solomon is here. There's no wiser preacher than Jesus. God recognized. When man could not be like God, God became a man so that man could be like God. It took a preacher. Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to. Hey, glory. Jesus was anointed to preach. Jesus himself proved you need a preacher. When he went to the Jordan River and John, the Bible says of John the Baptist, he was a man sent from God. You want to know what a preacher is? A man sent from God. I didn't say we're God. I didn't say we're perfect like God. But I'll tell you what a preacher is. A man sent from God. If you send you, you're not a man of God. If your last name sends you, you're not a man of God. If your bloodline sends you, you're not a man of God. But if you're John and God said, I'm sending you, you're a man of God. If your denomination or organization sent you, you're not a man of God. If your title and position and what you do for the organization sent you, you're not a man of God. You, God sends, God calls, God equips, and God anoints.
and it's God that sends. Somebody clap your hands and give God praise. We're going to have fun here tonight. John was a man sent from God, and Jesus walks, and the Bible says that John looked at Jesus and said, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Jesus showed up and said, John, I need you to baptize me. Never been a greater preacher than Jesus. Never been a greater pastor than Jesus. And he looked at John and he said, I need a man. I need a preacher. I need a man of God to baptize me. Y'all didn't catch that. Jesus said, I got to be baptized. Who are you to say I don't need to be baptized? Jesus said, I need a preacher. Who are you to say you don't need a preacher? Jesus said, I need a man of God. Who are we? And John said, no, 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 no. I have need of being baptized of you. You're the one that's coming who shall baptize him with the Holy Ghost and with fire. And he said, no, 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 John, you don't get it. This is that we could fulfill all righteousness. It's not righteous if you don't have a preacher. It ain't holy if you don't have a preacher. It ain't of God if you don't have a preacher. I'm preaching the Bible. You don't know. I got about 30 pages of notes right here that I can go story after story. The difference that made the difference is whether they had a prophet, whether they had a priest, whether they had a preacher. And I want to I help somebody with the theology of this. There is a part of salvation that requires somebody else. Go with me for a moment. Acts 2.38. We can quote it. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Jesus said, except a man is born of the water and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. All right, we know that. So, repentance is a step that you have to do. I can't repent for you. Your family cannot repent for you. Your dad, your mom, your, your church family cannot repent for you. Your lost loved ones cannot repent for you. Nobody can repent for you but you. Am I right? Am I right? Am I telling the truth? Have I told the truth so far? You can't wait on somebody else to come to this altar and repent for you. you got to come to the altar yourself and say, God, forgive me. And God gives the gift of the Holy Ghost. You cannot give you the Holy Ghost. I can lay hands on you, shake your head, Brother Mark, give you a bat rub in Jesus' name, but that doesn't mean you're going to get the Holy Ghost. I probably just burst a lot of pre a lot of preacher statistics. Well, 300 HG and Amen 200 to H2O. You can't give anybody the Holy Ghost. Amen. If if no. If people don't get the Holy Ghost in Apostolic Revival Center, it's not me. It's one of two things. Number one, we've not brought them to the house of God. Or number two, God didn't give them the Holy Ghost. And we got to tarry until they be endued with power from on high. But baptism had to be administered by somebody else. No one in the Bible self-administered baptism. you got to have a preacher. Amen. God would not allow the devils to reveal his gospel. Jesus told the devils when they said, the Holy One of God. He told the devils to hold their peace, to be quiet. He told them to shut up. Somebody needs to tell the devil to shut up. Amen. Stop, stop letting him talk in your ear. It's not time to have a conversation, Eve. Cast him out. You don't got to give ear or the Bible says place to the devil. You can kick him out of your garden, kick him out of your family, kick him out of your ear. What's interesting is that the devils were telling the truth got to be careful. Sometimes the devil tells the truth. The Bible says in James 2, 19, thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. And Acts, in the book of Acts, the Bible says Paul was going into a city, and there was a witch in that city that began to proclaim, behold, the men of the Most High God. I'm about to preach to somebody. 
And Paul told that witch that was full of the devil to hold her peace. He told that devil inside of that woman to shut your mouth because it was not a clean medium. Can I preach to somebody? Truth matters, but where truth comes from matters as well. Yeah, I said it. Truth matters, but where truth comes from matters as well. You don't need a TV preacher. You don't need an Instagram preacher. You don't need a Facebook preacher. You need a in the flesh preacher till he sweats his suit out kind of preacher. And I help somebody. Just because it sounds good doesn't mean it's of God. I got a lot to preach. You might as well just get with me. It might sound cute, and it's got a lot of alliterations, but that doesn't mean it's of God. They might have pulled a text and quoted a scripture, but that does not mean that that person's preaching the word of God. Let me just set it straight. If you listen to Stephen Furtick and Elevation Church, you need to cast it out. You know how I can say that? I've heard enough to figure out he's not preaching the gospel. He's preaching humanism. It's all about your best life, your blessing. Every scripture's all about you. But I got news for you, honey. Every scripture's not about you, and it ain't about me. It's about him. You go on TBN and you spend more time with somebody that sounds real cute and can preach something that tickles your ears. You got to cast it out. It's not a clean medium. Hey, I know a lot of people that repost stuff on Facebook and Instagram. You need to get rid of that junk because you need to recognize that person doesn't preach there's one God. Might sound cute, uh, might have something that looks nice, uh, but I want to help you in this generation. It's not of God. It wasn't of God back then, and it certainly isn't now. Just because you can pull up a 30-second clip that tickles your ears. My Bible says in the last days they shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. You know the problem with itching ears? You look for somebody to scratch them. Brother, you don't need nobody to scratch your ears. You need a preacher to tell you the truth. I wish somebody would take about 30 seconds and thank God for apostolic preaching. Come on, get you on Holy Ghost Radio. Hear an old timer that tells you you got to repent. You got to be baptized. Not a cute message, a true message. God would not allow the devil to preach the gospel. In Acts chapter 8, there's a eunuch reading his Bible. He is doing what he's supposed to do, reading the word of God. But God did not reveal divinely to the eunuch how to be saved. Instead, in his mercy and his goodness, the Bible says he, God spoke to Philip, join yourself to that chariot. Church, we're going to come into divine intersections with people. I'm talking about good old Baptist church-going people that read their Bibles. But, honey, they don't have a church. They don't have a preacher. They might have a congregation, but it's not of the righteous. They might have good music. They might have a fog machine and lights. But it doesn't mean they've got the Word of God being preached. And God is about to connect the apostolic church to everyone in our city that's looking in the Word of God, saying, how can I except some man, some woman of God should show me i got to have a preacher. I wish somebody would shout right now. you got to have a navigator. Somebody get excited about preaching. Church wouldn't be so boring if people got excited about preaching. I wouldn't be as boring if some folks got excited about preaching. God directed the eunuch, a man of God. And that eunuch had enough sense to say, How can I? Except some man should guide me. I need a navigator. There's some folks need that kind of revelation in the house of God here tonight. Angels cannot preach the gospel. 
Acts chapter 10. Cornelius is a man who's devout. His prayer and his alms have become as a memorial before God. And the angel of the Lord shows up. And guess what the angel of the Lord says? Call for one whose name is Simon Peter. He's in Joppa, dwelling with one Simon the Tanner. God told him who to look for. God told him where to go. Hey, I think it's great. We hand out cars. We put out door hangers. But at the end of the day, when people are truly hungry, you better believe God knows where to send them. Lord, send them right here. Send young people here, young men, young ladies. Send the elderly. Send the young marrieds. Send the old marrieds. Send men. Send women, whoever they are. Just send them. But God's not going to send them to a house that doesn't love preaching. Hey, I said God's not going to send him to a house that doesn't love preaching, that doesn't love the truth of God's word. And I'm thankful we're in a house here tonight that says preach the word. Galatians 1, 8. But though we are an angel from heaven, preach any of the gospel unto you, then that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. Yeah, that's for all your TV, Facebook, Instagram preachers. Let him be accursed. Don't say God bless you. Hey, I'm just preaching to my generation because I know this has wrapped up a lot of people in my generation because they don't have enough discernment to realize what is humanism and what is the Word of God. Hey, I believe in abundant life. I believe in being blessed. But I don't believe that you should be blessed at the cost of your soul. I believe that as your soul prospers, you should prosper as well. You ain't to live your best life now and go to hell later. You're to live abundant life with Jesus. Walk in truth. Walk in righteousness. And walk on streets of gold. Jesus himself. I'm going to help somebody's theology. Jesus himself would not preach the gospel after his ascension. All right? I'm going to help some folks. Acts chapter 9. Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. Who art thou, O Lord? He said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. But Jesus never one time told him how to be saved. Yep, that's in your Bible. He said, go find a preacher by the name of Ananias. And every time God was speaking to the sinner, I want you to know he was speaking to Peter in a vision. And he was speaking to Ananias in a vision. And God was speaking to the church while he's speaking to the world and trying to connect the world with a preacher. Come on, somebody. You can't be saved without a preacher. Well, I just have church by myself. No, you can't be saved without a preacher. Well, I just, I just seek the Lord. I just get a word from the word. No, you won't. You gotta have a preacher. Well, I got a relationship with Jesus, honey. If Jesus sent him to a preacher, Jesus is gonna keep sending him to a preacher. Somebody clap your hands and give God praise. Let's lift our hands for just a moment. Come on. Somebody lift up your hands and let's pray for just a moment. There's no other way. I hope I'm making it very clear from Genesis to Revelations. God has always used a man. God has always used a man. It has not changed. Somebody pray in the name of Jesus. You've got to have a pastor in your life. You gotta have a pastor in your life. Yes, you do. I gotta have a pastor in my life. Yes, I do. I'd like to think I got a pretty good walk with God. But you know what? I got a pretty good walk with my pastor, too. Is this thing on? Is this on, Brother Dixon? Just making sure. You can have a walk with God, but if you can't love that which you can see, how are you going to love that which you cannot see? If you can't obey that which you can see and submit to that which you can see, how can you obey and submit to that which you... Ah, help somebody. You gotta have a preacher. I want to help somebody. I, I, I probably could have ended the service right there. 
But I want to help somebody because I want to get this so ingrained into the Apostolic Revival Center Church that it never leaves. It never leaves. I want everybody to know you got to have a pastor. you got to have preaching. you got to have the Word. Adam was the pastor, and he preached and drew lines to his wife. We know this because God said, don't eat the fruit, or the day you eat thereof, you're going to surely die. But when Eve was later quoting it, she said, don't eat it or touch it. Well, I think the pastor should draw lines. Oh, hallelujah. I got news for you. It was Adam that said, don't even touch it. Because if you don't touch it, you're not going to eat it. Let me say that again. If you don't touch it, you're not going to eat it either. There's a reason we say, hey, that, well, well, preacher, is that going to send me to hell? Maybe not, but the, what comes and follows after that might. Well, well, is that really a heaven or hell issue? I'm tired of people asking whether something's a heaven or hell issue. I got a question. Does it bring you closer to God or does it take you further away? Why's it got to be about hell? Why can't it be about heaven? Why can't it, about it be about pleasing God? Why can't it be about being blessed? Why can't it be about living the blessed life? It's there. Adam, you can look if you want more examples. It is Moses that is told by God, don't let him touch the mountain. I got a question. Where does a mountain start? Where Moses said the mountain started. Well, where's the line? You want to know where the line is? You come talk to me. You'll hear me teaching and preaching on it here in the near future. You want to know where we stand? If you don't like where we stand, you can find somewhere else that stands a little bit over. We don't believe in organized sports. I've been preaching that for service after service. We don't believe in Hollywood. We don't believe in movies. I don't care if it's on your phone or on a big screen. If it doesn't bring you closer to God, you ought to throw it away. Well, it's a 30-second clip on Instagram. Kick it out of your life. It's just a little bit on Facebook. Kick it out of your life. I'm going to help somebody. I'm going to preach to me for a moment, all right? Is that all right? It was Eve that, that, that did not obey that line. She took it, she touched it, and saw that it was a tree to be desired to make one wise. Something that was poisonous now because something that was, and it was something that was now desirable. Her failure is she took it even though she was told not to. Adam's failure is the Bible says she gave to her husband, he did eat also. Paul would put it this way. He said, lest I become a castaway. Everything I preach to you, I got to live. Oh, Hallelujah. I can't require anything of you that I myself won't live. I'm telling you, lest I become a castaway, if I'm preaching it to you, you better believe that I'm doing my dead level best to live it. I don't just preach about prayer. I pray. I just preach about reading the Word of God. I read the Word of God. I don't just preach about going to church. I don't miss church unless I absolutely have to. I don't just preach about being faithful in giving. I give with everything that's within me. And as God blesses me, I'll give more. Adam's failure is that he got his love for the bride and love for the king mixed up. I, as the pastor, cannot love the bride more than I love God. So please, don't hate me. If I got to draw lines, you're not my bride. You're Jesus' bride. If I got to pull you aside and talk to you and say, I don't think that this is the right thing, please don't hate me. I'm just trying to make sure I present you as a chaste virgin without spot or wrinkle to your husband whose name is Jesus. Somebody lift up your hands and let's pray. Come on, let's pray in the name of Jesus. Come on, you need a preacher. You've got to have a pastor. You've got to have somebody that can draw the line in your life and say, no, don't go there. It may not send you to hell, but it's not going to make your walk with God any better. Hey, you need to start doing this. It's going to bless your life. It's going to help your life. You've got to have a navigator. It was Jonah that preached to Nineveh. And Nineveh repented and was saved. But God didn't save Nineveh without a preacher. 
2 Peter 2 and 5, the Bible says, And God spared not the old world, but he saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing the flood upon the world of the ungodly. Noah preached and his family was saved. Jonah preached and the entire city was saved. But you better believe at the end of the day, I want to make sure that I preach so well, not that necessarily the whole city comes out, though I want that to happen. I want to preach like Noah where they can see my life and my future kids can be saved and my wife can be saved. I preach it so your kids can be saved. I preach it so your, well, your spouse can be saved. But can I help you today? God said, I'll give you pastors after my own heart. The Bible says Noah was the eighth person on the ark. He only had seven other people in his family. He was the eighth man on the ark. It was Noah that was waiting till the very last minute. The water was, was just pouring down, and he's getting pelted, amen, by torrential rain. And Noah's standing at the door, and he's saying, God, give somebody another moment. Maybe there's a ninth person. Maybe there's a tenth person. Can I tell you what I do every night? I think to myself, all the people in the church, and I think, God, I want them to get on the ark. I want them to get saved. I know they go to church, but I want them to get saved. I want him to fall in love with Jesus. If I have to wait out here in the pouring rain and go through hell and go through trouble, I'll be the last one before the door closes. God, just save somebody's family. God, save a kid from an apartment complex. God, bring a prostitute and get them saved. Bring a drug addict. Whatever it takes, I'll hold the door. Somebody lift up your hands and let's pray you got to be saved, but it takes a preacher to stand at the door and say, come on, I'm at the door of the sheepfold, and only those that hear the voice can come. Let's stand all across the building. Let's pray. Come on, let's pray. Come on, Noah preached righteousness. Noah preached righteousness. He built and he preached. He prepared and he preached. And he said, God, would you save this generation? God, would you save this city? But it was the people that had a decision. Do I listen to the preacher? Do I follow the preacher? Or do I think he's crazy? Do I think he's a little eccentric? Do I think there's something wrong? Do I listen to the preacher or not? There's a decision everybody's got to make. Jesus showed up. The Bible says he preached to those that were in captive in the under parts of the earth. And he led captivity captive. You feel bound up? I've been there before. But a preacher's preached shackles off me before. I've been broker than a joke. And a preacher's preached that shackle right off my hands. I've been sick in my body, and I came to the house of God, and the preacher wasn't even about healing, but that shackle broke up my life because I was connecting with the preaching. I got too much to preach, but suffice it to say, the children of Israel were on their way to the promised land. should have been a 13-day journey, but it took 40 years because they did not listen to the law of Moses. They did not listen to the preacher. Paul was on his way to Rome, and he had many different unexpected divine detours. But Paul was the one that before they ever set sail said, please don't depart from this port because I see there's going to be a lot of hurt on this journey. You know what they said? Who are you? We've been sailing a long time. we got more experience than you, more wisdom than you. Who do you think you are? And Paul thought to himself, I'm just a man that God speaks to. I'm just a navigator. And you better believe every person on that boat, amen, started casting things off, things they lost that they never should have lost. Had they just listened to the preacher? Had they just listened to the navigator? They started getting rid of cargo. They started getting rid of money. They started getting rid of all sorts of things. But if they had just listened to Paul, they'd have never been in that position. But it was still those people that finally got it right and listened to Paul. And the Bible says some on boards. He said, except you abide with the ship, you can't, you can't be saved. And the Bible says some took that word so close to heart they grabbed a hold of the boards. 
They said, I don't care if it seems ridiculous. The preacher said it. Hmm. I don't care if it seems stupid right now. Can I be honest with some folks? I know, hey, I preached real short last week, but I want to help somebody. This is really important. I'll never forget I'm one of the few people that has ever argued with my pastor. I've been one of the few people that's ever said, you're wrong. Yeah, I'm preaching. I'm a pastor now. And I'll never forget one time I was uh, at the church praying, and God started convicting me. And he said, I thought, he, I thought you said he's your pastor. Well, God, I don't agree with this, and I don't know about that. And all of a sudden, I just made it up in my mind. It may not make sense right now, but I started aligning myself with that man. Can I tell you, as soon as I started aligning myself with that man, things that didn't make sense all of a sudden started making sense. Areas of my life that were broken started getting fixed. All of a sudden, I ended up safely on shore. I got a lot we could talk about. Elijah and Elisha. He said, if you, see me when we, if you see me when I go, that's when you're getting the double portion. That's not just about hang out until I leave. That translates out when you see me eye to eye. Come on. When you and I can see eye to eye. Can I preach to you? I'm younger than most of the people in this building. But when it comes to scriptural things, we got to see eye to eye. When it comes to living for God, you and I got to see eye to eye. Hey, if you want help on being a mechanic, you can go see Elder Worley. You want help building a house, go see Elder Bobo. But if you want help living for God, uh, let me help you. you got to walk according to his word. He said this, if you can stay in alignment. If you can stay in alignment, your anointing becomes exponential. I fully believe it, and I can tell my pastor believes it too. He was submitted to Bishop Wilson from Sacramento, California, his pastor. And what God did in Spokane, or what God did in Sacramento, God is doing in Spokane. They just got their fifth building. It's going to be 50,000 square feet. I've never one time heard my pastor complain about his pastor. I've never heard him one time criticize his pastor. I've always seen him, when he talks about his pastor, a tear begins to roll down his face because that was a man that preached shackles off of him. And you better believe, you best with my pastor, you and I are going to have a fight, and it's not going to just be spiritual. You... Everything God did there, I'm believing God is going to do it here because I won't get out of alignment with my navigator. Lift up your hands and let's pray. Lift up your hands and let's pray. You've got to have a pastor. Come on, you might have been going to church for a long time. You've got to make it up in your mind. I've got to have a pastor. I've got to have a preacher. I've got to have somebody in my life that has the final say. Come on, let's pray. I'm done preaching. I got a ton more we could talk about, but I'm done preaching. Come on, somebody pray in the name of Jesus. Somebody pray in the name of Jesus. Come on, this ain't no shameless plug for me. I've come to help you. Your blessing is tied up in the prophet. Your anointing is tied up in the prophet. It's in your Bible. Somebody pray in the name of Jesus. Somebody pray in the name of Jesus. Somebody, come on. Somebody pray in the name of Jesus. Submission is not about superiority. It's about order. It's not about superiority. It's not about I'm smarter, I'm better, I'm not. It's about order. It's alignment. It's a divine order. It's the anointing flowing down Aaron, down his beard, down his skirts and his garments, to everything else underneath him. Somebody pray in the name of Jesus. I feel the Holy Ghost. 
This right here is going to be a breakthrough moment for Apostolic Revival Center. This is going to be the moment your finances turn around. This is going to be the moment that your mentalities change. This is going to be the moment where your life turns around for good because you finally make it up in your mind. I'm not navigating by myself. I feel Jesus. Would somebody be sensitive to the Holy Ghost? In fact, why don't we make our way to this altar? Let's lift up our hands and let's pray. Come on, it doesn't matter if it's me. Or if you have to go somewhere and find somebody else, you've got to have a pastor. You've got to have a preacher. I sure hope it's me. I'd love it to be me. But I'm not egotistical enough to think that it has to be me. You gotta have a pastor. You gotta have a pastor. You gotta have a pastor. It's a gift. Somebody pray in the name of Jesus. Somebody pray. Come on. <laughs> Struggles begin to change. Things are gonna begin to end. Uh, that come on. Name and your leprosy goes when you get a pastor. Widow, your brokenness goes when you feed the prophet first and you get a pastor. Come on. Saul, if you just had a man, a prophet, and a pastor by the name of Samuel, you'd have never lost the kingdom. David, you got repentance because you had a pastor. Somebody pray. Somebody pray. Come on. Come on, Joshua. You became the next leader because you were close to Moses. Not friends, not buddies, but you followed in his footsteps. You had a pastor, and God anointed you as well. Come on, young man, young lady, if you want to get anointed, stop waiting for your anointing and your ministry. You got to get connected. You got to hitch up and say, God, if you can't use me here, you'll never use me somewhere else. And hitch up your life and say, I got to have it. Somebody break through. Somebody break through. In the name of Jesus, your blessing is connected to, to you getting connected. Your anointing is connected to you getting in alignment. Come on. Come on. In the name of Jesus. Your healing's connected, Naaman. Come on, shoot a my woman. Revival's connected. Your barrenness goes away when you get connected. church let's pray we're fixing to have a revival 
Come on, after this service, we're fixing to have the greatest revival we've ever seen. But there are decisions that got to be made tonight. There's got to be connections made tonight. God, I see the vision. I see the intent. I'm hitching my wagon. Come on, I want you to keep praying, but I want to help somebody. Paul told Timothy to war a good warfare according to the prophecies that went over on you. But I want you to notice how those prophecies got there. According to the prophecies that went on your life by the laying on of my hands and of the presbytery. There's some folks that got a lot of fingerprints on their lives in this house. Come on. Can anybody admit there's been a lot of preachers that put their fingerprints I can testify, maybe not you, I can testify that God sent a lot of men of God that put their fingerprints on my life. You know how you stir up the gift? You remember where the gift came from. We know the gift of the Holy Ghost comes from God. But he said, the gift that's in you, Timothy, oh, son, Timothy, it came by the laying on of a preacher's hand and other preacher's hands. The fivefold ministry, Timothy, that laid their hands, preached their messages, gave their lives. When the devil comes against you, you stir up the gift. When you want to go in one direction, but God's pulling you another, you just got to remember where those fingerprints are, and you got to stir up the gift. You got to remember, God, you put too much in my life to turn back now. God, you've invested too much in me for me to for me to backslide. You've invested too much into me for me to live any less than the DNA in which I was born into. There are people. There are people that the reason you are struggling, I want to help somebody. I'm not, I'm not here to hurt anybody. The reason you are struggling so much is because you're not living up to your DNA. Come on. There is too much good fingerprints and good DNA in some folks' life than what they are representing. And God sent this preacher to this house to say, stir up that gift. Come on, lift up your hands as we pray in the name of Jesus. You've got too much investment of good preachers and good men of God. Come on, come on, in the name of Jesus. Come on, live up and according to that gift that was put in you. you got to live according to that man that preached to you year after year, week after week. you got to live according to what you know is right. Stir up that gift. Stir up that gift. Somebody pray in the name of Jesus. Come on, lift up your hands. For just a few moments, somebody pray. Lift up your voice. Come on. There, come on, the devil, the devil begins to flee when you stir up that gift. Come on, you sir, you can walk in an anointing because it's been put in your life, but you gotta stir up that gift. You gotta remember where it came from. You gotta remember those messages. You gotta remember those counseling sessions. You gotta remember those prayer meetings and stir it up. I won't go back from what they told me. I won't go back. I won't live less here in Carson than I did in another city. I won't. I won't serve less here than I did under another pastor. God, you put too much in me. I'm gonna stir it up. Let's pray in the name of Jesus. Come on, let's pray in the name of Jesus. Come on, there's some folks with too much anointing, too much gifting, too much calling. I know, I know who some of y'all's pastor was. Come on, you got to live according to the prophecies and the promises. Father, I give you great praise here tonight. God, 
You know it took challenge for me to come and preach this here tonight. Not easy for me putting myself on the chopping block. But God, I pray that this word would be a blessing to every single saint of Apostolic Revival Center. That every person that has got gifts and callings that have been put to them year after year, week after week, Wednesday, Sunday, Wednesday, Sunday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Sunday, whatever the case may be, I pray, God, that there would be a stirring, that there would be a shaking, that that gift and that anointing would begin to flow and operate freely in the name of Jesus. God, I pray that this would be a church, amen, that would forever and continue to forever love preaching, love the Word of God. In the name of Jesus, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. If you want to